0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Point high slot. Go! 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 Brandon Poind! Brandon
1: Poind! Brandon Point! The Lightning win it. They went into the
2: fifth overtime, three to two. The emotions of playoff hockey. You go from feeling really good about your game to, well, I don't know if we can beat these guys, and I feel like that was Twitter in a nutshell yesterday as the Tampa Bay Lightning fall to the Columbus Blue Jackets yesterday in Game 2, 3-1. to one. Lightning actually had a lead in this game, and probably for the first 10 to 12 minutes, we can quibble on exactly how many minutes if you want in that first period. I thought Tampa Bay was the better team, but... The other team gets paid, too, and their goaltender made a few saves. And then Columbus was able to score a couple of goals in the first period. And eventually, Weinberg made it 3-1 on a beautiful play in the third. We're going to talk about the game and so much more. What does it mean heading into Game 3 tomorrow? A man who's been in a lot of those situations, Dave Andrichuk will join us in the next segment. We'll get his thoughts on Columbus and their effort yesterday. And also taking your tweet at Bolts Radio, at Greg Linelli, at Dave Mishkin. And of course, Dave Michigan, the radio voice of the lightning, is my co-host, along with Steve Versnick and Dave. Maybe give us the overview, the big overview on how you saw the game yesterday unfold. I saw a lot of people talk about Columbus's compete level. I guess there were some interesting comments made by Keith Jones after the game that we can touch on. But as I said before, I don't know if the game was won or lost in the first 10 to 12 minutes when maybe the Lightning couldn't build on their one nothing lead. But certainly, that played a pivotal role, didn't it?
0: Yes. The most significant segment of the game came in the stretch just before the Lightning went on. That power play about halfway through the first, up one nothing. Point gets a great chance during the delayed penalty call to make it 2-0. Corpusalo just gets enough of it to deflect it so it slows up and Warenski touches the puck, which brought about the whistle because it was a delayed penalty call. And then the Lightning did have a couple of shots on the ensuing power play, couldn't score, and so it stays 1-0. And then on the shift after the penalty ended, Columbus had not even had a shot on goal at that point in the game. They come down, they get their first shot on a Nick Foligno shot, and then score on the same shift. And that completely changed the complexion of the rest of the game and gave Columbus a lot of jump for the rest of the first period. And, of course, as we know, by the time the period ended, not only were the Lightning not up, they were down because they gave up the power play goal to Bjorkstrand. So that was clearly a really important segment in the game. But I want to circle back to to your very astute opening comment about the emotions of playoff hockey. And as spectators, we feel it, certainly fans feel it, and the players feel it even more, that when you win a game, even if it's only one game, and it doesn't necessarily win you the series or give you a substantial advantage necessarily if it is an advantage which it is because you just won a game you feel like you're unbeatable and then you lose one game and you feel that you'll never win again and I think that's a natural emotion and as you have often said Twitter seems to magnify these emotions because they're right there for you on your phone or your computer screen or your tablet whatever Whatever your choice of diving into social media. But they're real emotions. I feel that way today. And I think you probably feel that way today. And Lightning fans feel that way today. And if we all feel that way, you know the players feel that way too but the the key for the players is to not let that em- if they feel that way they need to brush it aside and that's something i really want to talk to Andrew Chuck about because i think as the captain of the 04 team Andrichuk did a terrific job of keeping the team level and steady no matter what the outcome of the previous game was in what is likely going to be a long playoff series and look at what Columbus did. I mean, Columbus has taken a couple of gut punches already in this playoff year, both in their Toronto series and after game one. And they shrugged it off, and they came back, and they won the next game. And I think that that is a very good example of how a team does not live or die with each win or loss emotionally. So that's kind of my overview on on, on the feelings that we feel but it may change. The next game is tomorrow night. And we may feel very differently after that game is played. The other emotion that I feel, aside from kind of just the ups and downs of, of following a team after a win and after a loss, is frustration. I, I feel frustrated. I'm sure the Lightning feel very frustrated. And they are frustrated for a couple of reasons. First they did squander an opportunity to go up 2-0 in the series. And while there is no quote-unquote home ice advantage as far as fans in the stands, there is home ice advantage for last change. But it's different, Greg. We've talked about that. It's much different than last year when Columbus went home up 2-0 and had their crowd propelling them forward in that series. That's not going to that's not going to be a factor for tomorrow's game three. They're still going to be empty stands. It's just Columbus is going to wear its dark jerseys and they're going to get last change. But still, if you can go up 2-0 in a series, you force the other team to win four out of the next five, which can be done and it has been done, but it's much different than where we are now, tied at one in this series, and now it's a best of five. So the way the Lightning started, the way they got the lead in that game, and then let it slip away in that latter part of the first period, let the game slip away, and potentially let the opportunity to go up 2-0 in the series slip away, that is very frustrating. And then there's the part of how Columbus plays, which the Blue Jackets do this very, very well. They frustrate the other team in terms of taking away time and space. They collapse in front of their net. It's very hard to get pucks through. The pucks that do get through, their goalie is eating up. There are very few second-chance opportunities, and it's frustrating to watch a game that way unfold if you're the Lightning. If you're a Columbus fan, you love seeing it. But that is frustrating to watch, and we got to watch that or had to watch that for two periods. Because once Columbus went up 2-1, to that's the way that they really settled in to play the rest of that game. So, I don't know about you, I feel frustrated. I felt frustrated last night coming home after the game. I still feel frustrated today, maybe about what, what might have been, but that's got to go in the rearview mirror. And, I mean, I'm not playing, so it, it doesn't really matter how I feel. But I think that that is the sentiment, for me anyway, that came out of that game. And so, the Lightning now need to move forward. They cannot let frustration affect the way that they are going to approach game three. It would certainly help, again, if they got a lead and did not have to play from behind. But I will, I will finish with this one thought. Falling behind the Columbus Blue Jackets does not mean that you're automatically going to lose the game because the Lightning showed in Game 1 they are capable of rallying, and they did it twice in Game 1. They were down one nothing, and then 2-1, to and they rallied both times, and they ended up winning. And they also showed in Game 1 that they are capable of of generating chances and and scoring goals against this team. (laughs) So what happened in Game 2 happened in Game 2. The Lightning are going to need to make some adjustments. They are going to need to play more like they did in Game 1, in Game 3, and let the chips fall where they may. And and we'll see what happens when we talk next on this show on Monday, looking back at Game 3 and getting ready for Game 4.
2: I guess an interesting thing we can talk about, and I guess the the comments Keith Jones might have made yesterday and again it's Which I case. didn't hear by the way. Yeah, I so. didn't hear either. I just got it from Twitter. He said something to the extent that the lightning looked like this was a throwaway game from them and that's not how you beat a team like Columbus. So I think he was probably getting at compete level without looking at the full context of the quote and you know, there are some people who made that observation that Columbus looked like They wanted that game a bit more. Take that for what it is. If you agree with it, if you don't, hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. But I am wondering, too, we've made so much, Dave, about how this year specifically the Lightning have kind of transformed their team a bit to be a bit better defensively, play harder, be harder to play against. And no greater example of that than some of the players they brought in, not only in the offseason, but at the trade deadline. And I'm wondering, after two games, watching Columbus, the way they go about their business, do we feel like Tampa Bay has, if you felt like there was a gap between the two teams when it came to that specific area, have they closed that gap? Or is it still something that it's noticeable trying to play that way against Columbus for Tampa Bay that it still sticks out a bit that maybe that's not their game Uh, completely that they still feel a lot more comfortable dictating play pushing pace and that all of this talk about getting grittier and being better defensively while they did make improvements you can tell that uh, going against a team like Columbus even with the players they brought in that there still is Uh, Maybe a little bit of a gap between the two teams when it comes to that style of play. Is that fair? And can we tell after two games about the styles these teams played and how closer Tampa Bay is to that type of style than anything else?
0: Well, let me address the Keith Jones statement because John Cooper afterward did say he felt, and these are his words, that the team got comfortable after the strong start, up one nothing, and they were dictating play. If not for Corpozalo, yes. it could have been 2 or 3 nothing. Braden Point alone had a handful of dangerous chances, including the one on the delayed penalty call that I talked about at the top. So I would not say the Lightning played like it was a throwaway game. If that was his quote, I don't think that that's accurate. I think a part of it is the way Columbus plays can frustrate the other team, if they are playing with the lead and if they are playing to their structure, it feels like you're not generating much. And so I think you do need to give credit to Columbus for how well the Blue Jackets executed, both getting the lead and then particularly in the final 40 minutes once they had the lead and how they played with the lead. And that can make the other team look like they're not playing on their toes. And I think that contributed somewhat, but the Lightning also had a role in this. And we know that, and this is tying into your, to your question. We know this because the Lightning did not play, in my opinion, with the same level of methodical patience in game two that we saw in game one. And let's remember game one was not just 60 minutes. Game one, in terms of the amount of time they actually played was two and a half games. So for two and a half games, the Lightning played the sort of game that you're talking about. Is there a gap between Columbus and Tampa Bay in playing this sort of style? And I don't think there was any gap in game one. I think both teams, and we spelled this out after game one, how well both teams managed the puck, how... Much they had attention to detail, despite the fact that they were getting physically and mentally tired. Talking about in game one. How the Lightning took what was given to them. How they dumped pucks in. How they forechecked to win puck battles. How they had long sustained shifts in the offensive zone. How they were able to generate chances. Now they had more time to generate chances. 150 minutes in game one. But even with Columbus protecting the front of the house and blocking 60-plus shots in Game 1, the Lightning were more dangerous in Game 1 than they were in the final 50 minutes of Game 2 after their strong start. So I would say the answer is that the Lightning are capable of playing that way. Now, it is different when it's tied as opposed to when you're behind in that you do feel you need to tie up the game but I think Andy would would say this and I'm curious to hear if he does when we have him on but you do not want to change your approach whether it's 2-2 or you're down 2-1 or you're up 2-1 that if this is the way you need to play against the Columbus Blue Jackets and maybe any playoff opponent to have success If you have an opportunity to skate in and make a play, make a play. And the Blue Jackets do that. I mean, Dubois will skate the puck in if he has a chance and try and make a play. But if there's no play to be made, they will be very content to just chip it in. And if they can't get it, then okay, we'll wait for the next shift. And I think that element of patience served the Lightning very well in Game 1. And whether it was a function of that they were down, that they started to... Regret the fact that they had a lead that might have that might have played in a little bit, but I do not think they played with the same level of methodical patience for the bulk of game two that we saw in game one. But they showed in game one that they are capable of playing that way, whether they are tied or even down, because like I said, they rallied twice in game one from one goal down.
2: We'll talk to Dave Anderchuk when we return. It is power lunch. Glad you're with us here on a Friday on Lightning Power Play.
0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
2: Glad you're with us. It's a Friday. Greg Linnelli-Long with Radio Voice, the Lightning, Dave Mishkin, Steve Versnick is producing and joining us right now as we're recapping Game 2. We'll look ahead to Game 3 and the rest of the series with the Hall of Famer, the captain, Dave Anderchuk. Dave, great to be with you. And were you surprised at the level of compete from the Blue Jackets in game two, considering what happened to them in game one.
1: I am. I really am. Yeah. Um, um, It's been fun to watch hockey, right? Like, let's, you know, we go back to that, that, you know, hockey is back. It's exciting. Um, It's definitely the playoffs. We can feel that uh, regardless of whether there's people in the stands or not. So. Uh, you think of Columbus and, you know, all of us that know John Totorello, we know he's going to get his team ready to play. It's it's whether they can compete at that level. That's, that's the main thing. And, you know, that team has gone through a lot. You think of that series with Toronto and, you know, the overtime games they had with them and then the marathon game. And then to get off to a bad start, uh, I thought the Lightning played really well in the first 10 minutes. And that could have been, the game right there if they were to bury a few more chances but that team just is relentless and they are going to play that way all the way through and it's it's going to be a battle for the lightning so i am impressed with them um the way that they compete uh, the way that they stick to their program the discipline they have and uh you know we're, we're we got our hands full right now
0: andy we were collectively so complimentary of how the Lightning played over the 150 minutes plus in game one in terms of how patient they were, how committed to not taking an unnecessary risk in their game, which was critical to to keep that game going and not fuel Columbus's attack. And they were very patient in their approach. Do you feel, that they lost some of that in game two i'm just curious to get your opinion on that because i i felt that they did not display the same level of methodical patience in their approach to playing columbus in game two that they did for for nearly all of game one which was the equivalent of two and a half games
1: i, I agree with you Mesh. um especially you know obviously at the start of the game there um at the start of the game, you get that goal early, which was you know, obviously key uh, to how that game was going to go. You want to get the lead against Columbus, that's, that's for sure. So you, you get that goal, but then I think what happens is you don't try to win that game one nothing. You now try to want to pile on because things are going fairly well for you. You're getting chances. You're actually getting rebound chances, which is rare. <clears throat> and I think that that was kind of the death of them. And, you know, they have the one, you know, power play that doesn't go very well for them. And I think the momentum changes right after that. And now Columbus is saying, OK, we're back in this game. And, you know, we've held the fort for the for their for the first 10 minutes. So, you know, and, and then after that, uh, you're down, you're down and now you're taking chances. And that's something that, you know, um we all know in the playoffs, you know, if you have to get that goal and go into overtime, then so be it. Um, but I thought they had that game in control, and then uh, things things slipped away for them.
0: Well, let me just follow up, Greg, if that's okay. So I understand what you're saying to take chances to get the game to overtime, but it's 2-1 going into the start of the second period. I mean, you got 40 minutes to try and get this game tied. I understand Columbus – plays really structured hockey. Do you feel the Lightning handled the final two periods as effectively as they could have to try and get the game tied? Or if they had to do it over again, would they change some of the things they did? In other words, did they feed into what Columbus was doing and make life easier for Columbus because they weren't as methodical?
1: I agreed. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we we saw turnovers in the neutral zone. We saw turnovers at their blue line. Uh, we saw, you know, the overpassing or missed shots, which, you know, it's hard to get pucks through as we've all documented that they block a lot of shots. And I think they just kind of press the issue a little bit instead of staying patient. And uh, I don't know if that's something that they'll talk about. That's hard really to kind of get across. Like, you know, it's, it's got to be a mindset that that goes into the game. And, um But at the same time, they played right into Columbus's hands, and you know when when you're trailing that team, um, you know, and you're trying to generate chances, it's it's hard mentally to say, okay, you know, let's just be patient here, and we're going to get a chance eventually. And instead of trying every shift you get out there, trying to do something right, so you know, kudos to them. Um, You know, they're they're back in the series. Um, I would be. I would have the attitude that you know we've we've outplayed these guys for the majority of the series, and you know we know it's going to be a long one. Let's 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 put our minds to it. That um, you know, hey, we're okay winning the game one nothing if we have to.
2: Well, Dave, that's a great point, and that was my next question because I think no doubt at times we've seen Tampa Bay be the better team. Their goaltender is making a big difference, so that can be the great neutralizer. I'm guess I'm wondering, we've seen Tampa Bay this past year addressed some of their grit concerns with the personnel that they have brought in. Do they have, do you think, the discipline to go toe-to-toe against Columbus playing more of their style and winning this series more on their terms than Tampa Bay playing their style?
1: Well, I think that Tampa's got to continue to stay within themselves. I think we've still got a very good offensive team, and we have to allow guys to, to do that. Um, You know, you would have to allow them to make make plays and that's who we are. You know, we're we're a fast team that gets in on the four check. But I think there's times in games where you wait for another day and it's a dump in that has to happen. It's you know, it's 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 a it's a puck below the blue blue line instead of a shot on goal. Just get it below the red line and start over again. And that's hard to do as an offensive team. So um, I think that they've watched probably enough video to see what this team does, how and now how do you how do you beat them playing your your style? And I think it's just being patient like they did in, uh, you know, in the first game. And and if they can do that and not open things up, they're going to get plenty of chances eventually because the offense, you know, the offensive talent will take over.
0: Andy, Greg opened the show today talking about the emotions that we all feel watching playoff hockey, particularly if we have a dog in the hunt, (laughs) and you feel like after every win that you're never going to lose again, and you feel after every loss that you're never going to win again. And I'm sure that that bleeds as well through to the players, but we always hear about how the players have to have the mindset of you got to treat every game like once it's over, it's behind you and look to the next one you've been through that clearly you were a huge influencer as the captain of the 0-4 team how hard is that to do though for a team and for players to kind of brush off the last game win or lose and and look forward
1: well I don't think I think it's harder for younger a uh, younger team to do that I think this team has gone through a lot and I I you know, I know for a fact that they probably are in the room. They don't want to coaster ride like fans have the ups and downs. You know, you just want to get on that slow boat to China and keep chugging along and put that behind you and move on. And, uh, and I think that comes with experience. Now, there's lots of guys in the room that have gone through the, you know, the, the playoffs before and the ups and downs. And they know that, you know, now it's one one. Uh, just because they won a game doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to get momentum in the series. We're going to take it back. And I think that's the attitude they got to have. And, you know, uh, ultimately, playoff hockey is a marathon, and you don't win in, in a little sprint of one game. So I think that's what they got to focus in on. And I'm sure that that, that veteran room, That's you know, we've watched them the last few years. Um, you know, maybe last year was a little bit of an anomaly because they got beat out in the first round. But, you know, basically John Cooper's teams, you know, have had some pretty good success in the playoffs. Haven't got the ultimate goal, but God, they've, they've been very close. So um, I, I don't think this is going to bother them like it's going to bother our, the fans and everybody else watching.
2: Hall of Famer Dave Anderchuk joins us here on Power Lunch on Lighting Power Play. Dave, I just came across some comments to Rask made, I guess, yesterday, talking about how uh, he said, quote, to be honest with you, it doesn't really feel like playoff hockey out there. There are no fans, so it's kind of like playing an exhibition game. It's definitely not a playoff atmosphere out there. And he went on to say a few other things, and I think we all understand that, but uh, to me that was one of the bigger question marks coming into something like this was you know playoff hockey is so much building off emotion that when that's not there does that also level the playing field when you have two teams who are different in talent level in other words Tampa Bay gets that first goal if that's at Amalie Arena maybe yep. that place is rocking and all of a sudden Columbus is rattled they don't i mean maybe yep. not i mean based off what we saw last year you know maybe they're fine but let's say in this particular instance they're buzzing and the lightning get another one and then they get another one You don't have that. Is that probably, in this particular instance, better for a team like Columbus who really doesn't care too much because they're going to play one way and one way only?
1: I think it does benefit them a little bit, and it is totally different, right? Like, you know, you look at some series that are going on now. Would you not want to be the Chicago Blackhawks coming home and saying, hey, we're back at home. You know, we're going to have the fans in our building. We're going to, you know. We're going to get all pumped up during the national anthem and things are going to change. Well, it's not. It's the exact same as the day before, because, you know, even though you're down 0-2 as Chicago is, you feel good that you're going home and you got a chance. And even in Columbus's case, right, like for them, they'd get a split and they'd be like, man, we got a split. We're going home. You know, we're we're in the driver's seat. Well, they're not really in the driver's seat. It's 1-1. So I think that's what Tuka Rask is kind of getting across, is that you know every game is going to be the same. Now I know that there was some gamesmanship going on with the last change, and John Cooper was trying to keep you know point Kucherov away from Jones and Wawrenski. He's not going to have that luxury anymore. But that's basically what you're getting out of home ice advantage. You're not getting the fans. You're not getting that rally and. Emily arena. That's going to, you know, change, keep the momentum going or change the momentum. So a little bit different. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, it's just, it's one game after another and you're, you're, you're going to have to create your own momentum. And that's where the lightning, I think you've got to get the momentum back on their side because Columbus has got to be feeling pretty good about themselves that they've tied the series up. How does that start go? And how do you keep that going?
0: Special teams have not gone the Lightning's way so far in the series. The Lightning are 0 for 6 on the power play, and Columbus has scored a power play goal in each of the first two games, and the one that the Blue Jackets scored yesterday turned out to be the game winner. I'm curious to get your take on what you're seeing on the special teams. Let's start with the power play. Are you surprised that Sergachev is on that quote-unquote top unit, even with Hedman healthy? And what are you seeing from the power play in terms of how it's looking to generate shots and chances?
1: Yeah, I am a little surprised at that. I think, you know, all year long we see Victor there, and now all of a sudden we change it up. Um, I think that that adds a little bit of a wrinkle for the other team, uh, which is probably what they're trying to get accomplished here. Um, And, you know, we're just not generating enough calls either. I mean, we had two calls last night. You know, one of them was, you know, 18 seconds. So basically you have, you know, maybe a power play and a half, and that's it. You know, how do you generate more calls, too? We know that John Tortorello's team is a very disciplined team, but I think you got to hang on to the puck a little bit more in the offensive zone and be patient, and maybe you get some calls that way. And now you get some more to create some more opportunities for yourself. Um, I thought the power play, you know, again – Uh, It's hard to get shots through. I get that. I think sometimes you got to have the mentality of, you know, uh, maybe it's not a one-timer. And maybe Cooch isn't trying to score on a one-timer. He's shooting it in the pads, and everybody knows it, and you go for the rebounds. And um, I think they got to get back to a little bit of the basics. I thought the penalty kill has been okay, Mish. Like, I I don't think it's been bad. You know, the three power plays – that they had, they only had one shot, which resulted in the goal. I think a couple others, They, you know, I think the Lightning might have outshot them. So we are a little surprised that, you know, Columbus going, being 0 for 14 going into our series and now have got back-to-back power play goals. Um, but um, concentrate on the face-offs. Dubois has been very good on the face-offs. we got to find something to to remedy that a little bit. and um, But I think the special teams will get better as we go on here, and and the more power plays the Lightning get, the better it is for them.
2: Dave Anderchuk joining us here on Lightning Power Play. Dave, what are you seeing from the quote-unquote new guys for this Lightning team that weren't here last year? Guys like Bogosian, Coleman, Goodrow, you've got Maroon, Shattenkirk. All, I think at times, have had moments, especially in the first two games. I think Coleman still, I mean, you're looking for that offense from him. We know he can do a great job on the penalty kill, but you know, part of that sweet package and bringing him over was his ability to, to find the net every once in a while. What are you seeing from some of the newer guys who have, were brought in to help specifically get Tampa Bay not only over the top, but maybe play a little differently as well?
1: Well, I think they've done, I think they've been all okay. I mean, they've, you know, we, we've talked about the holes that we had last year, and, you know, we've kind of beefed up a little bit. And I, I like the line of Gord, you know, Goodrow and, and Coleman. I think that John Cooper likes it, obviously. He, he's starting them in games, he's starting them in periods to get the momentum back on their side. And yeah, sure, we'd love them to chip in a little bit offensively, but more importantly, I think it's grinded out a little bit, you know, put some bodies on their defense. If you do get on against Wierenski and Jones, make sure you finish every hit. You know, make it hard on them. And I think if those guys could do that as a line, that will benefit the Lightning. I don't know if we've had that in the past. Uh, I thought Mitchell Stevens was good. I mean, I know that he was there on the power play goal, but I I don't blame him on that because he's got two guys to cover Um, in front. uh, He's covering the slot. And then by the time he gets over to to Borstrand, it's a little too late. I don't think it's his fault there. I thought he's been good. He's had he had a bunch of chances in game one. Uh, he he's been good. Um, you know, uh, I think Shattenkirk has gotten better. He played better in game two. I know that you know, um, you know he was on the ice for the last goal. Uh, I think that's a combination of a lot of things that happened at the blue line. I think Mish, you probably can attest to it that trying to keep the puck in there at the blue line when just hey just give it up and back up and you're probably going to be okay um, so I think the additions have been have been good we're, we're going to see the benefits as we keep going through the playoffs here and I think the goodrow uh, Coleman uh, additions are uh, are really going to benefit them as we you know as as we continue to move forward here and and, you know, uh, they keep pounding on those defense and eventually uh, think they're going to wear them down.
0: Columbus does protect the front of the net very well, and that is one of the strengths of their team. But the Lightning have to find a way to get more pucks to the front of the net with traffic and creating chaos. How can they do that more regularly moving forward here? Well, that's the John
1: Tortorella system. Um, that's what he does. You know, he and, you know, I, we, we, I can go back to Craig Ramsey, and that was a little bit of rammer also in, in our 03-04 in our, in our runs um, where we rely on block shots. We are going to give up, you know, the puck going back to the point because we've all collapsed, but we don't care because we're going to block the shot before it comes through. I think what the Lightning have got to do is, and they say it, it's on the video. You know, we all watched it. And we, it's, it's, it's hard to get pucks through. But I would get pucks to the goal line. I would really get, you know, if you don't have a shot on goal, you throw it behind the net and you start over. And I think that puck retrieval after that is important, which we're very good at, of puck control in, in the offensive zone. And then, you know, you got to get body position in front. And sometimes you give up the cycle to stay in front of the net. If I'm Alex Kalorn, I stay in front of the net, and I know the puck's going to come there eventually, but I get body position so that I can, you know, jump on a rebound. And uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. And you got to be patient, but uh, getting pucks to the goal line, I think, might be a benefit to us instead of trying to put the puck on the net every time. If you don't have shooting lane, get it to the goal line, start over, and we'll see what happens.
2: Dave, last question for me, heading into tomorrow and the rest of the series. Any changes uh, you would try and make, whether it's you know structurally, personnel, or stay with what you got and just execute a bit better?
1: Yeah, I don't know if you make any changes to the lineup. I think the lineup has been pretty good. I, you know, um, Can you add somebody? Sure. Um, I, but I don't think there's much in there. I, I will be interested to see how John Cooper handles the, the matchup. Um, you know, I, I personally would, uh, you know, get Kucherov on, on the fourth line every once in a while. Um, you know, maybe he does go with 7D. We've seen him do that lots of times over his career. You know, you get that guy on the ice away from, you know, the matchup that John John Tortorella wants. So. That to me is the game that's that's going to happen, you know. Uh, in in game three, we'll see if that can happen. But I don't think there's much changes on either side. I think, you know, you, we saw Columbus make a couple of changes. I don't know if Cam Atkinson. I believe he's hurt, unfortunately for him, because he's a he's a good player and he's had a, he's had a rough mm-hmm. year. Uh, maybe he comes back in the lineup, um, but. Uh, you know, it is what it is. This is what's in front of you, and you've got to accept that challenge.
2: Dave, great stuff as always. We appreciate the analysis. We'll continue watching you, and uh, we'll have you on down the road for sure. Thanks, yep, Andy.
1: Got it, guys. Enjoy game three.
2: You got it. Dave Andrichuk, the captain there, talking about some of the things maybe he would do to get ready for game three and so much more. If you want to react to anything Dave had to say, you can hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. We can get into some other games that were played yesterday. Your thoughts on Game 2 with Tampa Bay and Columbus. What moves, if any, would you make in Game 3? And what did you make of Tuka Rask's comments about not a fan of bubble playoff hockey? Certainly different from a player's perspective, but I think as a fan, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say as well. We'll do more of that when we return on Lightning Power Play
0: social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio
2: app. Thanks to the captain, Dave Anderchuk, stopping on by and talking about uh, his views on the series so far and what to expect with Game 3 on the horizon. And, you know, Dave, it is interesting when you talk about styles and personalities I don't know if I was completely surprised that Columbus was going to come and and play the way they did. Now, maybe I didn't expect them to win, but I don't know. I mean, a couple of things stick out. One, John Tortorella is a really good coach. I mean, I think he's going to have his team ready to play. They've played a lot of hockey already this year in the playoffs, and they've faced some adversity, particularly in that first playing round. But also, too, I know it's a different team, but I mean – they beat Tampa Bay last year. I mean, they have enough guys on that roster that, you know, they probably don't look at Tampa Bay as invincible. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying most people did, but I, I never looked at this like Tampa Bay was going to win in five and and move on. I, I just think the way Torrance gets his team to play would happen last year. You know, I, I, I really do believe this will go the distance, and I, I think that's probably more of a compliment to Columbus and what they have than it is a knock on Tampa Bay.
0: I'm in your camp. I was not expecting. I was willing to be surprised, but I was not expecting that Columbus would wilt or fade after the grueling overtime game, which ended in a loss for them, on top of their tough series against Toronto. Now, I do also believe at the same time that had the Lightning been able to score a second goal and they had numerous chances to get that second goal, including but not exclusive to the power play chance that happened right before Columbus tied it, and I think Torts even referenced that penalty kill on his side as a very big part of the game, which it was. But Braden Point alone had two to three glorious chances to score early in that game. Shattenkirk had an opportunity and when it was still 0-0 to, to score. And I wonder, because Columbus did not come out as well as probably the Blue Jackets would have liked to have come out, and the Lightning did have the run of play for the first 10 minutes plus. So I wonder, had they been able to pop in a second goal? It might have had a different dynamic the rest of that game, but it, they didn't. And that's part of the game. Corpusalo has been outstanding in this series, and I thought his best work yesterday came in that first period when his team needed him to bail them out to keep the game one nothing, which he did. Then he was very solid once they got him the lead. He was very solid for the rest of the game. He gobbled up pucks. There weren't a lot of second chances. He got a little bit of of luck on some some. Missed chances the Lightning had on those two backdoor plays in the second period. But Corpusala was getting over there, so who knows? Maybe if Sorelli or Killorn would have gotten their sticks on those passes from Tyler Johnson. Who knows? Maybe Korpisala would have stopped those two. But I thought he had a much more workmanlike-type performance after the first period. But his star kind of shone the brightest in the first 10 minutes. He gave up the goal to Kucherov, but he kept his team within striking distance which was a big key, as I've said, to this game.
2: Yeah. And I actually, even though they won and they swept Tampa Bay last year, I actually think you can make the argument that Corpusello has been more impressive in two games than Bobrovsky was in four last year. I always felt like Tampa Bay was on the verge of really making him Revert back to what he was in the playoffs, but they just could never get going as much, meaning Bobrovsky and testing him as much as I would have liked to have seen. But Corposalo, I think, through two games, he has been—I mean, I—I I didn't anticipate this, and he has certainly, I think, leveled the playing field a bit more than many people anticipated. Moving forward, Dave, I don't know how you feel about the goaltending situation. I thought, you know, Vassi was pretty good yesterday I still think he's the best goaltender not only in the series but in the league but it is interesting when we've talked about this before with goaltending uh, guys might not have the greatest pedigree but you get into the playoffs all of a sudden you can get hot and it's like where did this come from and it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible to watch. We, we've seen examples of this over the years with goaltenders who are pretty good. Once they get to the playoffs, it's like, all right, something happens. And, you know, whether they can get back to that afterwards is a is always something interesting. But uh, I think the goaltending matchup in this series is is something certainly to keep an eye on as well.
0: Let's not forget that Corpusalo had a really good year until he got hurt. And then he missed 24 games. He came back healthy right before the season paused. And again, I had only seen Columbus in person once. Corposalo was hurt at that time. Mers Likens played in the game in Columbus in February. That was a very tight defensive game on both sides. There were not a lot of scoring chances. The Lightning ended up winning 2-1 to one in overtime. But it felt like the sort of game that we've seen at stretches in this series in that there's not a lot of room out there, and Columbus certainly has, has defended very well throughout the year which makes life easier for their goaltender so when you talk about Bobrovsky in the playoffs last year I think the lightning did generate chances certainly early in game one I mean they built a three nothing lead we we tend to forget about that right (laughs) but we talk about how torts created this structure and the lightning couldn't penetrate it And Columbus was a machine defensively. You know, the Lightning did score three goals in the first period of game one, which also counted in the series. And they certainly had chances through the first half of that game to extend that lead, which we have talked about. But I think from game two into game three, Columbus deed up so well. Talking about last year. Yeah. And they did not ask Bobrovsky to have to bail them out. Game four was a little different. I think the Lightning did generate some chances, and they scored three goals. The problem, as we have talked about before, for the Lightning in game four, they did not defend well. They had more problems killing penalties. They gave up a power play goal in that game, and they gave up a sixth attacker goal off a delayed penalty, the one right at the end of the second period, that who else Bjorkstrand scored? (laughs) He has now three consecutive game-winning goals against the Lightning in the playoffs. He scored the game-winner in Game 3 of last year's series in Game 4 of last year's series and now Game 2 in this year's series. So he definitely likes to play the Lightning. But when the Lightning were able to put pressure on Bobrovsky, they did score some goals. Yeah. And that's where I see a difference this year with the net-minding that Corpusalo is giving Columbus because... It did dry up on the Lightning in the second and third. We talked about that with, with Dave. But in the first period, they definitely generated chances. And in the equivalent, of, as we've said, of two and a half games in game one, Columbus defended well, but the Lightning definitely had a lot of scoring chances in that game, more than Columbus, in my opinion. And Corpusala was phenomenal in that game. And the, the sorts of tough saves that he was making regularly to extend that game They were remarkable. So it took a perfect shot from Braden Point into the top of the net that not too many goalies that go down in the butterfly would be able to stop without maybe just getting a little bit of luck and having it hit the knob of their stick. And then the other two were dirty goals in front. I mean, Point's tip goes changes direction, so it goes through Corpus pads. And then the Yanni Gord goal in game one, I mean, that is dirty a goal as you can see. You know, he's whacking away. It's loose in the crease. Corpusalo knocks it in. My point is that it's taken those sorts of goals and Kucherov scores in game two, banking in it off Corpusalo on a scramble play. So if we're going to look for a template for how do you score on Corpusalo, you're probably not going to beat him on the first shot and the second opportunities are extremely difficult to get. The first shot if it's a, a clean shot that he can see. That means what Andy was talking about. you got to get positioned in front. you got to find a way to get to rebounds and wear them down on a shift in the Columbus end. Much easier said than done, but when the Lightning have been able to score on Corpozalo in the series, outside of points, overtime goal, that was a perfect shot, they've had to require screens in front, traffic, chaos, couple of second chances like with Yanni Gord's goal, that's how they've scored. That's how they're probably gonna have to continue to try and generate offense in the series.
2: Yeah, and it really is fascinating because you brought up the, the example of Bennington with St. Louis and how maybe he hasn't been as sharp so far in these playoffs than he was last year when they won the Stanley Cup. And to me it is fascinating, Dave, how a goaltender can play at such a high level for an extended period of time. And get his team beyond where some people thought. I'm not saying that's gonna happen with Corpusalo. I think it's interesting the dynamic at play. I don't want to say it came out of nowhere. But again, one of the question marks with Columbus was goaltending. Sure. And, you know, so far through two games, I mean, I think you could look at Corpusalo and say he's been the best goaltender on the ice. And it's not necessarily a knock on Vassi as it is the level of play that Corpusalo is getting to. I want to see Vassi get to that level consistently. I think, for the Lightning for a nice playoff run. I actually thought he did that um, the year that Pittsburgh beat Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Finals when Vasilevsky had a sub for Bishop. I thought Vasilevsky was better than Matt Murray. Now, you can quibble in Game 7 a little bit with a couple of the goals that were scored there. I thought he was phenomenal. And I think he had his moments, you know, obviously the following year against the Caps, But I want to see that from Vassy, where teams are just like, I can't beat this guy. I, it just doesn't matter how many glory score, glorious scoring opportunities that Tampa Bay will give up, that Vassy is that wall that wills them to a Stanley Cup, because I think that's what it's going to take. I, I do. We can talk about Tampa Bay's talent all we want, Dave, but as we know, come playoff time, that really gets minimized to a degree, because of the style of play and the lack of calls that typically are called in the playoffs. So then you have to rely on system structure and goaltending. I think the Lightning are trying to figure out their structure and their system and they continue to tinker with that. But I think the one constant has been goaltending and I think Vasilevskiy is the best goaltender in the league, but I want to see where he's just unbelievable for four rounds. And he's better than the other team's goaltender and I know there's other factors in play there and it's not always on the goaltender, but boy It does seem like sometimes you watch these other teams and their goaltenders, the ones that win, like Matt Murray, you know, there's questions about if he's the long-term guy in Pittsburgh, fair enough, and while maybe he wasn't tested as much, especially during that 2016 run, he was good, certainly better than he is now, but somehow he found a way to get hot at the right time, and it's to me, that's always fascinating watching playoff hockey is which goaltender kind of comes out of nowhere and just becomes a wall it really is fascinating
0: Columbus probably feels confident seeing Vasilevsky yeah based on the playoffs last year and I know last year was last year but you know they did have success scoring goals on him shooting high screening he dealt with a lot of traffic in last year's series and you know certainly they're not intimidated by him he's not in their heads right And that's not to say that he can't deliver the sort of performance that you just referenced, you know, throughout this series and and hopefully during what is a long playoff run for the Lightning. I will talk about the rest of the team and, and kind of going back to how you approach getting chances on Columbus. I think what the Lightning did very well in game one And let's not forget, the Lightning won game one. So I know they lost the most recent game, but they played the same team in game one. They rallied twice from one goal down. They had far more shots and scoring chances than their opponent. And they did a very good job of limiting turnovers that led to opposition chances. And they did it for more than 60 minutes. They did it for 150 minutes. They weren't perfect. And that's when Vasilevsky stood his tallest in game one. But they've shown that they can do it. So to me, beyond the goaltending, which is always important, the questions, the two questions for the Lightning heading into game three and beyond in this series, can they maintain their tight structure that includes not only play without the puck, but play with the puck so that they're not forcing plays that would result in easy turnovers for Columbus and potential transition chances. And also coverage mistakes, which they had a couple in the first period that led to both Columbus goals. And those can cause problems because they did not have those sorts of coverage mistakes more than, I mean, you're gonna have some when you play (laughs) Seven and a half periods, but the the relative frequency of those mistakes was far fewer than certainly what we saw in the first period when Columbus mounted its comeback and even beyond. And I understand the lightning were pressing, so they gave up some counter chances, but, you know, they gave up some odd man rushes in the second and third periods of game two, which is not conducive to success. So whether you're up by one, tied or down by one, maintaining that tight structure and playing with patience is gonna be a very important key. But if you are having trouble scoring, the very best thing that you can do is make sure that the other team doesn't get an easy chance to score, which I think they showed in game one. Now, scoring goals. It is going to take an approach of putting on your work boots. It's certainly possible they will get some open looks with their skating and their speed and their skill. And they did get some in game one, for sure. But I think you have to go in with the mindset that it is going to take mucking around the net and out-willing and out-battling your opponent to get to loose pucks, to force Corpusalo to make more than the first save. Or if he does have to make the first save, it's not a direct shot. It's tipped, he's screened, he can't see it, and you have to get position first. You have to establish position before the Columbus players can get in the position where they want to be to block shots and if that doesn't work Andy was talking about maintaining pressure in the offensive zone points overtime winner came at the end of two block shots by Columbus but the Lightning stayed with it they kept retrieving the puck and ultimately Gavrikov's block as we talked about stunned him so that he drifted out of position <laughs> was not in the right spot to block point shot and point ended up scoring. That's not going to happen every time, clearly. But just because a shot is blocked doesn't mean that you can just give up on the play. Not that the Lightning are going to give up on the play, but a a shot that is blocked does not necessarily mean that your sequence of pressure is going to end. So I think that's the mindset the Lightning need to have in the offensive zone, which is going to be a very workmanlike approach, which, again, we saw for quite long stretches in game one. But to me, beyond the goaltending, it's making sure you're taking care of your own end and your structure is good and looking for dirty goals as much as you can and get pucks into areas where you can create chaos in the Columbus end. Much easier said than done, but if it doesn't happen right away, you can't lose patience and try and do something that's, Going to fuel the other team's attack.
2: We we got to get going here, but I I wanted to ask you before we do sign off and get set for the game tomorrow. What do you make of Victor Hedman not being on the first power play unit? I I know John Cooper said you know we've mixed and matched guys all along. We know about the injury situation, but my thing is that gets thrown out of the window. Gets thrown out the window when he plays as much as he did in game one, Uh, especially with power play and special teams being such a big part in two games here. Are you surprised we've we've seen Hetty not be on the first power play, Dave? And do you think that changes? The coaches have their
0: reasons for doing it. Andy mentioned something that was interesting, which is throwing a wrinkle to the penalty kill unit, which I hadn't even thought about, but it, it does make sense. When we saw it, when the Lightning got their first power play chance in game one, my immediate thought was, They want to protect Hedman because he was coming off the game against the Flyers where he left in the first period. He was coming back, as we know, at the 11th hour. And they have a capable guy in Sergachev. So save Victor a little bit and play Sergachev on the first unit. And you just pointed out, Hedman certainly wasn't quote-unquote saved in the first game. He played over 57 minutes. So... What would they do in game two? And again, Sergachev was out for the first unit. So we don't know the reason or reasons why the coaching staff is elected to make this change. But if the Lightning continue to go over in the series, I would not be surprised to see it shift back to to the units that we saw for for much of the regular season. The other part of it too, Greg, is that Hedman missed the exhibition game against Florida because he was still in Tampa. So Sergachev, played with the top unit in that game. And then after leaving against the Flyers early, Sergachev also played on that first unit for the power play chances the Lightning had in the round robin game against the Flyers. So that might have they might have liked what they saw with Sergachev on that on that top unit. And to the extent Hedman didn't miss a lot of games during the regular season, but when he did, Sergachev was in that spot. So it's not like they'd never done it before
2: sure of course
0: but i mean that's the best answer i can give you without getting in the coach's room and, and understanding exactly why they made the move
2: yeah no well, that makes a uh that makes some sense all right that's gonna wrap it up for us today on the show it was a good week dave with a lot of good guests and of course playoff hockey is here even if tukarask says it's not like <laughs> playoff hockey playing in this bubble i get what he's saying but maybe we'll talk more about that next week of course we've got the game tomorrow 7 30 start which means we'll be on the air at 7 with the pregame. And then Dave and Phil will have the call a little bit after 7.30 for Game 3 between Tampa Bay and Columbus. Dave, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Talk to you tomorrow.
2: All right, that's Dave Michigan. Thanks to Steve Ersnick as well. I'm Greg Linnelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow. So glad you're with us today on Lightning Power Play.